Harry Truman made a decision some 70 years ago that people are still debating. Some insist his decision saved American lives and ended the war. Others insist it cost far too many lives and put the world in danger of a nuclear holocaust. I know how my dad felt about it. He fought in the Pacific. Even though he was Republican, he praised Harry Truman for having the courage to make a very difficult decision. And whether you agree with what he did or not, you have to respect him for doing what he felt was right. No one has that kind of respect for Pilate. When faced with a difficult decision, he played politics. He toyed with the truth. He bent the rules. He polled the people. And he passed the buck. Sadly, that sounds like the current state of affairs in American politics. But be that as it may, let's look at the politics of Pilate this morning and see if we can't learn something from it. We're in Matthew 27, starting with verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Now Matthew doesn't tell us what the charges were that the Sanhedrin brought to Pilate, but Luke does. They couldn't come to a Roman governor with the charge of blasphemy. So they said, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that himself is Christ, a king. Now Pilate knew that these charges were motivated by envy on the part of the priests and told them to take him and judge him on their own, by their own laws. But they said they couldn't because they didn't have the authority to put anyone to death. So Pilate was stuck. He was going to have to handle it. So he questioned Jesus, focusing on the last and most political charge the priests had brought, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus, who had remained silent before him up to this point, spoke up. And according to John, he asked Pilate, are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? Jesus went on to explain the fact that, yes, he was a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. To that, Pilate said, so you are a king. But Jesus continued. 
that he had come to bear witness to the truth, making it clear that he had come for spiritual, not political reasons. But Pilate blew it off with a flippant, what is truth? Now, Pilate wasn't a philosopher. He was a politician. He wasn't concerned with the nature of ultimate truth. He was simply trying to avoid dealing with what he knew to be true. He knew Jesus was innocent. He even said so to the Jews several times. But they didn't want to hear the truth. And Pilate didn't want to push it. So he toyed with the truth. He asked questions that made him sound sincere. But when he discovered the truth, he refused to stand on it. And I'm sure when it came time to send in his report to Rome, he made it sound as if Jesus was executed for insurrection, for claiming to be a king. He toyed with the truth. And he bent the rules. Let's read on. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the multitudes any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they were holding at the time a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. When, therefore, they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Now, Pontius Pilate was governor or procurator of Judea and Samaria, and had been so since 26 A.D. when Tiberius Caesar set him in office. Roman procurators or prefects governed small troubled areas in the Roman Empire and had absolute authority, answerable only to the emperor. When sitting on the judgment seat, they were, however, expected to administer Roman law. They weren't free to do as they pleased. But Pilate had established a custom that apparently wasn't sanctioned by Rome because it, it can't be found in any Roman document. It had become his custom to release a Jewish prisoner on Passover as a gesture of goodwill. And Pilate needed a little goodwill among the Jews. He hated them, and they hated him. He was totally insensitive to their beliefs. In deference to their hatred of driven images, previous governors had removed the image of the emperor from their standards before entering Jerusalem on state visits, but not Pilate. He made no attempt to understand them. But he had found that by bending the rules a bit, by perverting justice with an unsanctioned act of mercy, he could pacify them a bit. He was holding at the time a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Some old manuscripts actually call him Jesus Barabbas. And the Jesus may have been deleted from the text out of deference to Jesus Christ. The name Jesus was quite common 
And Barabbas means son of the father. So his name may very well have been, or his title may have been uh, Jesus, son of the father. I find that very interesting. Now, Mark tells us that he was an insurrectionist and a murderer. He'd been arrested along with others who were trying to overthrow Rome, and he was probably their leader. And that name Barabbas may have been a messianic title that he'd taken for himself. In fact, it's quite possible that Pilate had already erected three crosses for Barabbas and two co-conspirators. You know, we're told that those crucified with Jesus were robbers. Well, being a robber was not a capital offense. Insurrection was. Insurrection was. Barabbas, no doubt, had a following among the Jews. In fact, those who had gathered outside the praetorium and were calling for Pilate to do as he'd been accustomed to do for them may have been there initially to seek for Barabbas' release. But surely the people would rather have Jesus, who's called Christ, a man who is known for his good works released, than have Barabbas, a robber and a murderer, released. Pilate thought he had a way out of his uncomfortable dilemma. He had already made a practice of bending the rules enough to release one convicted prisoner a year. Maybe he could bend them enough to convict an innocent man and then release him as a gesture of goodwill. It would be a good move politically if the people would just go for it. But to find out, he polled the people. I find this very interesting. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? They kept shouting all the more, saying, let him be crucified. Now, if the multitudes that had assembled were already supportive of Barabbas, it wouldn't have taken much for the priests to incite them to call for Jesus' crucifixion. You know, a crowd can say anything. And no one individual has to take responsibility for it. That is why it's so dangerous to face a mob. You know, people who would never say, lynch him on their own, cry, crucify him, when everyone else does. Pilate knew how crowds worked. One of his primary functions in Judea was crowd control. That's why he was in Jerusalem during the Passover. He normally lived in Caesarea. For him to ask the mob what he should do was ludicrous. He could see the priests working the crowd. He knew what was happening. He knew what the priests wanted. They made no bones about saying they couldn't sentence Jesus on their own because they couldn't condemn a man to death. They wanted him dead. For Pilate 
to ask the crowd what he should do with Jesus was a total abdication of responsibility on his part. He knew what the law said. He knew what he should do with Jesus. But by polling the people, he could judge how much it would cost him to do the right thing. And he soon discovered it would cost him too much. When he asked why he should crucify Jesus, they simply shouted, all the more, crucify him. When he said, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. (coughs) They said, away with this man and release for us Barabbas. When he said a third time, why? What evil has this man done? They simply shouted louder, crucify him. And as Luke notes, their voices began to prevail. Finally, the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. So Pilate dressed up Jesus as a king put a crown of thorns on his head and said, Behold, your king. They responded, We have no king but Caesar. The people had spoken. What they wanted was illegal and immoral, but Pilate gave in to their demands. After all, he was a politician. And he had polled the people. They had spoken. So he passed the buck. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him to be crucified. You know, Harry Truman had a sign on his desk that read, The buck stops here. Pilate didn't have one. According to Luke, Pilate first tried to pass the buck To Herod. When he discovered that Jesus was from Galilee, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now, Herod was glad to see Jesus because he wanted to see a miracle. But when Jesus wouldn't answer his questions, let alone perform for him, he dressed him up in a gorgeous robe and mocked him. But Howard, or Howard, (laughs) Herod. Wouldn't judge him. (laughs) Herod Howard. Herod would not judge him. He'd already been responsible for the death of John the Baptist. He wasn't about to condemn another Jewish prophet. So it was back in Pilate's court. But not for long. 
The Jews wanted Jesus dead. But Pilate didn't want the death of an innocent man on his conscience. So he washed his hands in front of the multitude and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Now, obviously, the washing of his hands did not free him from his responsibilities as procurator. It was his job to see that Roman justice prevailed. But he passed the buck to the people. And they said they'd take it. They said his blood be on us and on our children. But as Pilate discovered, it doesn't work that way. His little publicity stunt may have made it appear that he was innocent, but he wasn't, and he knew it. Tradition tells us he was haunted by what he had done until he died by his own hand three years later. Pilate was the consummate politician. He toyed with the truth. He bent the rules. He polled the people. And he passed the buck. And where did it get him? A place in the history books as the man who condemned the Son of God. We can learn from that. I pray politicians will learn from that. But you know, politicians aren't the only ones who toy with the truth. Bend the rules, poll the people, and pass the buck. When faced with a difficult decision, we often try to find a way out of it. Even when we know what ought to be done, we try to make it appear that we don't. When we know what's right, we all too often look for ways to bend the rules if doing so would put us in an awkward position, if obeying would put us in an awkward position or cost us too much. And even though we know that the majority is seldom right, we still find comfort in being able to say, everybody's doing it. And then if we can pass the buck, we usually do. No one likes to make hard decisions, especially if they're going to be unpopular. But not making a decision is making one. And deferring judgment to others when it's yours to make is passing judgment. And refusing to do what is right is the same as doing what is wrong. And if we do wrong, all the hand-washing in the world won't make us innocent. The only way to wash away guilt 
is to confess it and allow the innocent blood of Christ make us clean. Thankfully, because Pilate allowed Christ to be crucified, his shed blood is available for us today. Now, that doesn't exonerate Pilate, but it does make possible our forgiveness. And what Pilate couldn't do in a wash basin, we can do in a baptistry as we express our faith in the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Because he went to the cross on our behalf, we can now say, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let's stand.